All right, folks. Welcome back to our War Media NFL Playoff Preview Special. We're starting a little early today, but you know, don't worry. You know, get your get your uh, your, your your devices handy. You know, we got we got a really good one here. Uh, you probably saw him on here last year. He was talking to our buddy Kyle Means. He is the radio voice for the LA Clippers. You know, he does the work for CBS Sports. He also did the the, the, the uh, Super Wildcard Weekend game, which is probably the game of the the weekend between the 49ers and Cowboys on Nickelodeon. We'll get to all of that in a second. At Noah15 on the Twitter, he is Noah Eagle. Noah, how are you? Lakina, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Looking forward to chatting. And yeah, get up early, get some coffee, whatever you need. We can try <laughs> to provide a little extra energy in your life. I think that I feel ready for that. I feel up to the challenge. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's hump day too. So, you know, you're feeling drawn out, you know, you want to get ready for the weekend. You know, you got to get that, get that pick me up and that perk up. All right, no, let's get right to it. So what, let's start with the, uh, with the Nickelodeon game that you and um, Nate Burleson. And I want to make sure I get the young lady's name right. Cause I keep getting her name wrong. She, I know she's on all of that on Nickelodeon also to a young Dylan. You know, I know he had a lot, you guys all have a lot of fun doing this. this is your second year doing it. What fun was that like, you know, you know playing in the you know, AT&T, you know, you know, being at at and Stadium and, you know, the atmosphere and also doing that Nickelodeon game, you know, to be an alternative for that, for the regular traditional game. Yeah, Gabrielle Nevea Green is is the fourth member of our crew, her name. She was with us last year as well. And honestly, mm-hmm. I couldn't think of a more fun broadcast to do. I mean, we just have a blast doing it. And I think that's why people seem to respond positively, seem to respond the way they do is because – we're having a ton of fun. Like it's all coming from a very real, a very genuine place. And so for me and Nate and Gabby and young Dylan, we all get together before the game. We kind of, we don't even need to psych ourselves up because Dylan is, is <laughs> so energized. I mean, that kid, that kid is a firecracker. That kid, I've never met anyone who has more energy than him. He was a legend beyond the word. And so to have him with us, he, he kind of pumped us all up and we all, huddled up. We just said, all right, let's just go have some fun. And the game certainly helped. Game was amazing between right. the Cowboys and the Niners. And our crew really helped us, whether it was our coordinating producer, Sean Robbins, our producer, Ken Mack, our director, Suzanne Smith, and the entire crew. They spent so much time and effort and resources putting together all of those graphics and gaining some of the information from the players and putting together the animation. All of that stuff was crucial because it allowed us to play off of it and have fun our set was amazing the atmosphere was amazing so we we had a blast doing it again i mean we probably had maybe even more fun doing it in year two than in year one and i was glad that everybody else did as well yeah a better game too i mean because trust me the Bears saints game that i think you guys kind of kept us entertained for those of who who flipped off from the traditional broadcast um did anybody get slime because i know mike mccarthy you know said he would get slime i would figure maybe kyle shanahan would get would want to get slime because he got three young kids you know that's he's his, you know, his kids are perfect for that. Uh, did anybody get slime? I know, I know young Dylan talked with Debo after the game. Did, did anybody from the 49ers get slimed? So Dylan was hoping to slime Debo. That was a no-go. Debo had just gotten slimed a couple days prior. If you remember, uh, he was the Week yeah. 18 MVP, Nickelodeon right. valuable player. And so they sent slime to the Niners facility. Jimmy Garoppolo dumped it on him. But it was Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback uh. for the Niners, who got into the slime tank afterward. and. You know, most people you get slimed. It's it's a lot. Like I got slimed before the game. It was a lot. I, I didn't expect it to be as much as it was. Kyle Juszczyk got destroyed. I mean, he got <laughs> slimed 
to a sensational level. It was like a CVS receipt length of slime. It was different. <laughs> all right. So if you haven't seen the video, I know Nickelodeon posted it on Twitter if you're interested in seeing what it looked like, but he got crushed and they seemed to really enjoy it. I think it's on YouTube as well. I think I saw it on YouTube too. So make sure you guys check that out. Now let's talk about the game itself, Noah, because that was probably the game of the the weekend because the rest of the Super Wildcard weekend wasn't really super. I think we can all agree on that. But tell talk us through that those last couple of minutes. I'm sure that had to have been like crazy. You know, I'm sure the three of you were probably like, okay, what well, what's going on here with some of so that last sequence. Yeah, I just think everybody was trying to figure out how this thing was going to come to an end. And we realized that Dallas was storming a comeback. And what I'd never been to Jerry's World AT&T Stadium before. Lakina, I don't know if you've been there. But no. I can tell you that it's different. It's a different level of viewing experience. The Jumbotron is insane. But for a playoff game, the atmosphere was next level stuff. The atmosphere was different. Just everything all together you could feel the ground shaking when when dallas started a storm back and so i think we all felt hey they've got the momentum now they've got the crowd behind them you can feel the energy shift and there was a drive that dallas had the ball with about three minutes left you said okay this is it this is this is where they're going to take the lead they end up stalling around midfield they have to give it back to the niners they eventually get it back and I didn't necessarily think they were going to win the game on that final drive, but those first couple plays, you say, okay, positive momentum. Mm -hmm. That that draw play up the middle, we didn't expect that. We didn't expect a fake punt, which happened. They convert mm -hmm. on a fake punt as well on the fourth down. There were a couple things that happened that we took a step back and said, wow, that was, that was not what we had coming into the day. But that draw up the middle – it was just puzzling to us because they had done a great job of putting themselves in position. You had 14 seconds left. We felt like if you played your cards right, you might have even had three shots at the end zone from where you were right there. Your other option could have been throwing to the sideline and then hoping you get out of bounds after a chunk play. You make it a little bit more of a manageable Hail Mary at the end of the game. Right. But they decide to go with the draw. They believe they were going to clock it with a second left. Apparently, they had said after the game, they had practiced that play. That was something they had gone through in practice, that exact situation of, okay, we're going to pick it up, and then we've got the, the play we want to run to win the game, essentially, from 20, 25 yards out. And so Dak Prescott doesn't hand the ball off to the official. Instead, he puts it down. The official collides, mm -hmm. and that probably wastes about two seconds. And instead of having the second left, time expires. You know how it's happened. You guys all saw it right. go down. I think that for us – from the broadcasting perspective and really from a viewer's perspective too, I'm sure a fan side of thing, you just felt like that game deserved the one final play, that one final shot. It, it, the, the way that game went, it was insane. The back and forth, San Francisco had the big lead. Dallas makes the comeback. That game deserved to have the one final play to decide it. And that was the only disappointing factor of all of it was that we didn't get that last gasp from the Cowboys that we expected to that last shot at the end zone. So, you know, you can't go back and change it. You live and learn as a Cowboy fan or obviously as a part of the organization, but one of the, the crazier football games I've been to in person and certainly one of the better environments I've been in and got new experience. And that was the one good thing about our Nickelodeon booth is that we were in it. You know, we weren't separated in a broadcast booth. Our booth was outside and we were surrounded by fans everywhere. So we really got the essence of what that vibe was like in Jerry's world. 
also too, you guys weren't like in a studio or something because we've seen it, especially with Omicron and all the stuff that's been happening. We're seeing now more of the broadcast crews, you know, doing it from home or from like a studio somewhere. So it was good that you guys were able to actually be there in person to kind of take in all of that and then that crazy fish. So it, it, I don't think it would have been, you wouldn't have had that great experience had you, it, had you had done it from guys, done it from home or from a studio. So I'm glad you guys got a chance to do that. So let's talk a little bit about the divisional round. Um, really the only game, we'll start with the really the only game that's not um, a rematch from the regular season. That's Cincinnati and uh, Tennessee. Of course, Tennessee being the one seed. Cincy. Got the first win. I think you weren't even born yet when you know, the Bengals won their last playoff game, Noah. But uh, where do you see this game? This is going to be the first game of the of the, uh, the weekend on CBS at three thirty. Uh, where do you see this? Because it feels like this could be like one of these pickups. I know Tennessee's number one seed, but Tennessee's got some players. Yeah, and look, especially if Derrick Henry is returning, that completely changes the dynamic. I think that. Most people expect that Mike Vrabel will win coach of the year, and it's probably yeah. well-deserved considering what he had to deal with, losing the heart and soul and the essence of his team. The success has ridden through King Henry through the last couple of years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's guided them to the playoffs, essentially. And to manage and weather the storm the way they did was thoroughly impressive to me. They've got players, to your point. They've got players on both sides of the field. And I think the defense has stepped up at times this year. Are they a top defense in the NFL? They're not. But are they good enough? They are. They're good enough to, to help a team win a Super Bowl without a doubt. I'm curious, though, because I really liked what I saw out of Cincinnati last week and really to finish the season. And similar to what San Francisco has shown, and we've seen this in the past. I go back to when the Packers mm -hmm. won their title with Aaron Rodgers a little over a decade ago now, which is crazy to think about. But they were the hottest team end of the regular season. They had to win themselves into it. They're on the road, but they were just – they were in a rhythm. San Francisco most recently. They had to win themselves into the playoffs, and now look at them. They are continuing that momentum. And Cincinnati, the last couple of weeks of the season, had some of that momentum themselves. Now, Tennessee had won some games, but they weren't doing it in convincing fashion, the way that right. we've seen Cincinnati win some of these games against some of the best teams in the NFL and certainly in the, in the AFC. And so what Joe Burrow, what Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, that receiving core, Tyler Boyd as well, you've got Mixon back, and he's looking healthier by the week. It's a really good team, and it's a really good offense in particular. The question will become, can Burrow stay out of trouble because the offensive right. line has been their biggest concern in the last two years, essentially, and he took the most sacks of anybody in the NFL all season. But if he can, and if he can continue to play the way he has in the last month, I think Cincinnati's tough to beat. They've got one of the – just that feeling right now. They're hot. Now, Tennessee's going to be tough, but I, I like Cincinnati to, to at least make it an interesting game and potentially uh, gain the upset on the road. Yeah, and, you know, the Titans' defense is very opportunistic, so if they can force, you know, Burrow to maybe, may, you know, maybe drop the, you know, drop the ball or you know, have Aaron throws, you know, so you wouldn't get, get ace, I mean, that's going to be very key. And, you know, we'll, we'll do probably like the three marquee games because all the rest of these three games are rematches from the regular season. The, you know, this one is the week three that these two teams met. Of course, I'm talking about Green Bay and San Francisco. San, uh, Green Bay just edged out San Fran 30 to 28 in, in week three. You know, Debo Samuel, we talked about him, you know, just a couple minutes ago. I mean, I think he's going to be the key guy for the 49ers, I feel like. The Packers, of course, you know, number one seed coming off a bye. They're getting, you know, Bakhtari back. They're getting, uh, looks like they might get Darius Smith back as well. 
So where do you see this game? Because this could be this could be, you know, they've also had their battles too during the playoffs. So where where do you see this game? So let me start by saying this. I do believe that Green Bay is the best team in the NFL. Coming into the playoffs, if I had to pick one, I'm saying that they're winning it. I think Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is is motivated with this last dance, him and Devontae Adams, who I believe is the best receiver in the NFL. I think that duo is truly unstoppable. But speaking of unstoppable, you mentioned Debo Samuel. I, I've never seen a player like him before. He mm-hmm. is big, strong, fast faster than everybody. He can play every position somehow. He's not throwing touchdowns at the end of the regular season. I've never seen anybody like him. And so San Francisco, you're giving Kyle Shanahan, who might be the most brilliant offensive mind in the NFL, you're giving him a weapon like Debo Samuel. That's almost Mm -hmm. unfair. It's almost like Mm -hmm. having Kevin Durant join the Warriors. It's giving Mm -hmm. them that extra gear to go to. And so to go back to the earlier point, San Francisco's hot right now. They are. And all Jimmy Garoppolo has done as a starting quarterback in the NFL is win games. It's not sexy in how he goes about it. He's not going to throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns, but he's going to win the game. It just every time he's out there, you feel comfortable as a 49er fan. My gut still tells me that Green Bay is going to edge them out. You mentioned it. You get the extra week of preparation, extra week of recovery as well. These guys are going to be fresh. But don't count San Francisco out of this game because their defense is still vaunted. The hope is that Warner's going to be okay. Fred Warner had had gotten injured. I haven't seen the update on Nick Bosa. He had the head injury and didn't look great in the moment. So we'll we'll see what that defense looks like without really their two stars on that side of the field. But even without them, they're well coached. And offensively, they're finding their stride at the right time. Elijah Mitchell, the rookie running back, has been outstanding all year. Debo Samuel keeps defenses honest. And George Kittle barely was involved in their win in Dallas. You expect him to get more and more involved against the Packers. I think that the Packers are essentially going to have to outscore San Francisco in this game, which they should be able to do. But don't think this is going to be a blowout. This is going to be a back-and-forth affair in Green Bay. Yeah, not that we, not that we endorse gambling here on War Media, but if whatever, I think it's like, I think I thought last time I was like about 10 or 11, like was, I would say take the under if you're, if you're a gambling person. Talk with Nickelodeon and Clippers play, radio play-by-play voice Noah Eagle here on War Media, our NFL playoff preview special. We're doing the divisional round. I'm Lakina McGee. Now, Noah, let's go to another one of the marquee ones. And because I really, I, I really think this could be a toss-up game. Of course, I'm talking about, uh, the Los Angeles Rams and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Of course, there's a there's a match a rematch of another week three matchup. Of course, uh, Los Angeles kind of I would say I don't want to say dominated, but they kind of you know controlled the ball you know thirty four to twenty four in their week three uh, meeting. Now I'm a little concerned about Tampa Bay because their old line is a little banged up. You know they got injuries. You know they've had various injuries, so you got to wonder is that going to come back to bite them in the butt? If you saw the Rams performers get the Cardinals on Monday nights. I mean, uh, safe to say that they're on a mission, Noah? Kind of have to be. I think both teams are. You know, Tampa Bay wants to prove that last year wasn't a one and done, that they are here to stay. They've got staying power. And you brought up the earlier matchup. The Rams, the Rams took it to them, if you remember it. You know, Tampa Bay got some points late, but the Rams, they, they controlled that game start to finish. You think Tom Brady forgot? You think Tom Brady? <laughs> thinking about what happened earlier this year you think Tom Brady isn't ready to avenge the early season loss now Tampa Bay looks different 
from the beginning of the season. Beginning of the season, you looked at that roster, you said, how do you ever stop this offense? They've got Godwin, they've got Evans, they've got Antonio Brown, they've got Gronk, and others. I mean, it just, the list kept going. Now you're without Godwin, rest of the playoffs. Evans is not 100%. He's playing through it. Antonio Brown is gone. Gronk is back to being healthy and looking like himself, but the the options aren't quite what they were. And Leonard Fournette didn't play in their wild card game. The question is, can he go and can he be the player that he had been all season? Because there were games and weeks where he was flat out dominant for that team on the ground. And it opened up everything else for them. Because if Fournette starts chewing up yards on the ground, that's when play action becomes more and more dangerous for, for Tom Brady, who processes better than anybody in NFL history. And you're talking about somebody who's got 35 playoff wins in Brady mm-hmm. versus Matt Stafford, who just got his first playoff win. Mm-hmm. With that being said, I do think that the monkey off of Stafford's back could be a great thing. You know, he played loose. He really did in that win against Arizona. And Odell Beckham Jr. has just looked more and more comfortable with each week. And all he has done since getting to L.A. is score touchdowns. Cooper Cup was among the best offensive players in the NFL. He might win Offensive Player of the Year around the league. And getting Cam Akers back against all odds after a torn Achilles. I've never heard of someone tearing their Achilles right before the start of a season and making it back. That is is bionic stuff. Like, that's Mm -hmm. not... There's no way that we're the same. You know what I mean? You look right. at him and you say, how, how did we, how, we don't have the same makeup. There can't possibly be the case that that is the same. So the fact that he's back and looked the way he did against the Cardinals, hard, fast, just physical running and just dominant at times, that completely changes what the Rams offense is going to look like. I, I kind of agree with you. If I, if I had to go with my gut here, and I shouldn't say it because I'm betting against Tom Brady, but I think the Rams right now are the slightly better team, and they've got the better options. It'll depend on whether their defense can hold up, and it'll depend on whether or not Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, and that that pass attack and that pass rush can get to Brady, because if they can, it could be a long night of the office for the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. Well, and you got Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and Leonard Floyd coming at you. So that might be I know I know Brady had nightmares from their from their previous meeting at week three. But yeah, it should be very interesting though. I'm this should be another one to look forward to. And probably the you know, last but not least now, probably the matchup of the weekend. Uh you got Buffalo and Kansas City. Of course, Buffalo dominated uh Kansas City in their week five, mad 38 to 20. And this was sort of like when people were wondering, you know, is there something wrong with KC? You know, is things are kind of the wheels starting to fall off. Now, we've seen them lately. They've been playing better. Some people would say they kind of, you know, backed into it. You know, the, you know Pittsburgh, I mean, we won't talk about that game. But uh, where do you see this matchup? I, I feel like Buffalo, you know, they got the money, monkey off their back. You know, Beanie, uh, New England. Where do you see this game? Because I, I feel like this is going to be one of those pick I think. Lakina, I don't know how many tables have been broken in Buffalo to summon (laughs) this type of this level of play on the field. But whatever Bills Mafia is doing right now, continue to do it because it has produced very impressive results. And that game against the Patriots, to your point, it was it felt like a changing of a guard to a certain degree. Right. It felt like that little brother finally has reached that growth spurt. And all those one-on-one matchups in the driveway are in the back of his head. 
And he says, yeah. I have to run it up. I have to show, I'm going to back you down in the post. I'm going to give you a little dream shake fade away off the glass. I'm going to show you everything I've got in the arsenal now because you can't stop it. And that's what Josh Allen and the Bills did. They they took it to New England. Now, I do think that game could have been very different if Mac Jones doesn't throw that interception on the first drive in the end zone. That was an outstanding play. Micah Hyde comes over, diving interception, and it changed the course of the game because Buffalo drove right down the field. They put seven points on the board. New England was driving right back. They were set yep. to answer. And instead, it's now 14-0. You go three and out. It's 21-0. The game's essentially over at that point. So that could have been very different if he doesn't throw that interception. But Buffalo, you give them credit. The way they've constructed that team deserves all the praise in the world, all the superlatives you can think of, because offensively they have really no no real flaws. You know, you can, you can look at their running game and say there's something to be desired there. But last week, Devin Singletary – look pretty good against one of the best defenses in the NFL and the Patriots. And so defensively for the Bills, to me, they've got no holes. They, they come at you at every angle. They've got a good pass rush when they need it, good run defense, and they certainly defend the pass. So they're great, but it's Patrick Mahomes. I'm sorry. It's Patrick Mahomes. We've seen this story how many times now in his limited time in the playoffs – his first year, he gets the AFC Championship and probably should have beat Brady and the Pats. You know, he he runs into Bill Belichick and, and Tom Brady, and they're one of their last years together trying to be like, hey, this is, you know, the changing of the guard. It was a year early. His second year in the playoffs, he wins the Super Bowl. And his third year in the playoffs, he gets back to the Super Bowl. And he has had flaws in his offensive line. He's right. had injuries to some of his weapons. His defense hasn't been great. It doesn't matter. He's Patrick Mahomes. To me, he's still the best quarterback in the NFL. He's the most explosive quarterback in the NFL. And now that he's got Travis Kelsey looking like Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill looking like Tyree Kill, I can't pick against him. I just can't in good conscience, in my good right mind, pick against him. And similar to what I said about Brady and him understanding and knowing what's at stake and remembering – I don't think Mahomes forgot what happened earlier this season. Buffalo, they made a statement early this year. And Kansas City, that was, to your point, when they were trying to find themselves again this season, I think Mahomes goes out there and he tries to make a statement right back. But it'll be a close game. Buffalo is as primed as anybody around the NFL to win the Super Bowl this year. And I think that has a lot of fans in the central to western New York area excited but I still got to go with Kansas City. I got to go with Andy Reid and that beautiful mustache. <laughs> and also to his great words, you know, winning the playoff, you know, winning the Super Bowl is like eating chocolate cake. So I don't like. I guess look, he's a national treasure. You know, you gotta love his quotes. Um, now I look. I know this is an NFL review special, but you are the radio voice of the Clippers, and since we have you on with us, Noah. I feel like you know, with you know, the Clippers, they're twenty-two and you know, twenty-three. They're Right there, I think they're in ninth place right now. I think last I checked, they got a game tonight against Denver. I know they're playing shorthanded. You know, of course, you know, Kawhi's still out, you know, recovering from his ACL surgery. I know PG's out, you know, with the elbow. He's going to be out another couple of weeks. They're, they're doing what they can. I mean, you know, Reggie Jackson, uh, Nicholas Batoon, you know, tell, t- you know, tell everyone, you know, how this team's been able to kind of keep afloat with both their, both their t- two top stars, you know, still out. 
Yeah, it's it, you know it's that type of year around the NBA in general, yeah. whether it be injuries or COVID related. I think every team has been dealing with some level of adversity, but it feels like the Clippers are at the top of the list, certainly this year. Mm-hmm. Kawhi goes out in the playoffs. We find out it's a partially torn ACL. He gets the surgery, and the reports are pretty valid from what I've seen. I mean, I've seen him rehab. The dude is a different level of machine. He, It wouldn't shock me if he returned, but who knows? You know, We don't really know until it happens, and I think that Kawhi is going to be the ultimate decision-maker on whether or not he wants to come back. If he does, hopefully we see him before the end of the season. Paul George, you mentioned, still dealing with a torn UCL, which is not a very common basketball injury for a basketball player, and so they're making sure that he's going to be 150% ready. But with them out, it's allowed some other guys to step up and really get more and more comfortable, get more and more experience in big games, big moments. Marcus Morris, who had been a number one option with the New York Knicks earlier in his career, he then was traded from the Knicks to the Clippers a couple of years ago. But he was dominant at times as a number one option with the Knicks, averaging nearly 20 points per game. And this year, since Paul George has gone down, he has been off the charts good. And so having him as your number one option has helped. You mentioned Reggie Jackson, who was great in the playoffs. He's still trying to find that same form, but he had a big game a couple days ago in a win uh, at down in downtown Los Angeles on a, a, an afternoon start. I mean, all the games jumbled together. Who? Oh, we played. Uh, it's a one thirty nine, one thirty three final score. The question is, who did we beat? Pacers. Indiana Pacers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Indiana. So Reggie had a good game there. You mentioned Batum. He had a, a Clippers career high 32 points in that game. All of them in the second half. It's an all hands on deck, but it's allowed some of these younger guys to take another step forward. Terrence Mann, who had big moments in the postseason, has seen his role increase. Luke Kennard, who is finally out of health and safety protocols, in December shot 48% from three. And they were running plays for him. They were letting him go, go and really get buckets for them when they've needed them. And he's been huge now in the first year of his four-year extension with the team. You've got a guy like Amir Coffey, who was undrafted out of Minnesota in his third year. And, man, is he playing ridiculously efficient basketball. I mean, Mm -hmm. he he led the team in scoring in three of the last five games. And he's been starting for them. And he's great defensively. He has been really good about picking and choosing his spots and letting the game come to him. And Teron Liu has given him a level of confidence that he hadn't had in his first couple of years. You've got a rookie in Brandon Boston who has shown flashes of brilliance as an offensive threat. Isaiah Hartenstein, their backup center who they signed this year, has been huge for them at times. He just returned from an ankle injury. So you've got all these other players that almost as a group together, they have just pushed forward and they, they say, look, everybody's dealing with it. We can't make excuses. So let's just try to keep this thing afloat and hope that PG and Kawhi can return by the end of the year. And you never know. But if nothing else, even if it's not for this year, all this experience that these younger guys are getting this season is going to come absolutely in handy moving forward. You look at the Warriors, Jordan Poole getting Mm -hmm. some big minutes last year in the last two years. Juan Toscano-Anderson or Gary Payton II. All these guys are contributing now to one of the best teams in the NBA. And the Clippers feel like they are in a similar situation where – they can garner this level of experience. And even if they do make noise this year, that's a cherry on top. But next season, look out. This team's going to be loaded, ready to go. Absolutely. I Hopefully they can kind of stay afloat whenever PG is able to come back. And we'll see. We'll see Kawhi this year. That's going to be the number one question 
Now, a couple more minutes here with Noah Eagle. Noah Eagle here on War Media. I'm Rakina McGee, our NFL playoff special. Now we know who your dad is. You know, Iron Eagle. You know, you know Turner, CBS. You know, we. You know, I grew up watching him, and not, not making myself feel old, but. Um, what sort of like are the differences? I think I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this. What are kind of like the main difference between you and your dad and you know, your styles? I mean, you sound, you guys sound very similar, and you know, but but what your your, your broadcasting styles, how he prepares for a game, as to how you prepare for calling. Yeah, games. I mean, I'm slightly taller. I think that's the first thing. <laughs> Not on my, I post them up, just you know, remind them, give them that little shoulder. <laughs> uh, no, you know what? I think that there are obviously a lot of similarities, as you pointed out, and that's. That just is another reminder to me that I'm not adopted, which is uh, <laughs> extra layer. But you know, I think that you find your own style as you keep going. And for me, it, it's we both like to blend both this the sports and the entertainment worlds together when we're calling games. Yeah. And I think that I've I've done a good job of doing that and ranging across different generations, which he has now too. And I, I think we almost help each other. We bounce ideas off yeah. of each other when we prepare and maybe calls if I hear something he does or he, he hears something I do, whatever it might be. So there are there are st uh, slight differences, I would say, between the two of us. But certainly I've, I've been told many times that someone might tune in to me or I actually have gotten tweets now where my dad has said something and they tweet at me saying, why would you say that? I'm like, I didn't say that. I mean, I could, <laughs> if you really to, but, and vice versa, where people say, what is Ian Eagle saying? And it's me. And I take that as a huge compliment. So I think definitely very similar styles, but I'm, I'm still trying to find my voice. I'm still very early in my career. And that's the biggest key, you know, he's done now since I was just an idea in his head, he's been calling NBA, NFL, all that right. stuff. And so he has found his voice over the years and he still is looking to perfect it. That's the biggest key in broadcasting is you're never a finished product. And so for me, I'm still trying to figure out what is my voice? What is my style when I'm doing a game or calling or hosting or any of that stuff? I like to have fun. And that's the biggest thing. I like to make jokes. I like to mm -hmm. smile and try to make people laugh and and enjoy themselves while they're watching and sitting and be entertained. That's my goal. So I think that we kind of share that mindset and I'm still trying to figure out what it all sounds and looks like as I go along. Absolutely. And your, your dad you know, keeps getting better and you're getting better too, Noah. Absolutely. So thank you so much for uh, joining us today, you know, you know, sharing with us, you know, your thoughts and, you know, not only calling the, the wild, you know, the wild card game and also to give your, us your thoughts on, the divisional weekend where can people find you on uh the social media and also to on air yeah so you can find me at no eagle 15 across most social media platforms you can find me on air for the clippers if you're in la or the west coast market it is am 570 la sports if you're out of market you can listen to us on sirius xm you can listen to us on nba audio league pass as well I'm on uh, FS1 from time to time doing some college basketball. So if you're flipping through the channels, you might hear me there. Tennis channel and, and some other places as well. So just stay tuned. You'll see me. You'll, you, you'll, you can't get rid of me. Let's put it that way. I've made, <laughs> sure, I've made sure that I'm going to stick around. <laughs> and we wouldn't have it any other way. So, Noah, again, thank you so much for joining us. And also, to those of you out there, you know, we're not done with the uh, divisional round preview. Me and Joe Tanksley will be doing a Twitter Spaces event at 7 o'clock tonight on Twitter Spaces. So make sure to check out for that. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan Score McGee on the IG. You can also catch me on Second City Sports with my bud, Sid Kid 80, Cindy Brown. 
from noon to 2 p.m. Central Time on uh, Sports Zone Chicago. Also, you can follow and can follow the audio versions right here on War Media on the various social, uh, various social media and podcast platforms where you get your podcast. So for Noah Eagle, I'm Lakina McGee. You listen. This has been Second Seas of War Media NFL Playoff Preview Special right here on War Media, and you know, I'll see you. You'll get catch Noah on you know all over air, and you catch me later on tonight. Thank you.